In the last episode, Maj al-Zahari discussed what his life was like in Syria and how he and his father had to leave this war-torn country. He described how he and his family found a new, supportive community in a small town in Nova Scotia. In this episode, Maj will continue to share his story about the difficult journey from Syria to Lebanon and then to Canada. He describes how his one-act play became much more than a project to improve his language. It became his therapy to process the trauma he had experienced. His hope is that people understand the importance of finding a space and a safe audience to share their story. Let the light shine and let us start again with these pieces of us, pieces of us, stories of yours, stories of mine, all we had to share is time and pieces of us, pieces of us. The importance of sharing a story is just it's not you don't ha- you have to share the story with the same way everyone share it. Everyone got their own way of sharing their story. For me, it was writing at the beginning, sharing it with one person, and then it ended up with like sharing it with two people. They helped me change it to a one act play. And then I ended up sharing it with so many, with like 200 people on stage. And after that, people were calling to do the play more and more. And I ended up like doing the play for six more times after that. And this is the really great part about the play that I was able to use it as a fundraiser, as like to bring people and then like they would well, they'll be doing a fundraiser and say we're featuring we're doing the, the one act play which is that I used to call it to eat an almond to eat an almond yes why <laughs> yes um, I mean I can see the blood memories title and I understand that but to eat an almond to eat an almond it was because so I wanted to emphasize on this idea of having a flashback that's a thing you can't control that because of war you would lose what you 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 would lose what you used to love and because of war you don't like it anymore you can't even stand the sight of it so for example to eat on almonds we used to have almond trees back home we i used to love almonds like almonds was my favorite thing i used to love almonds like we used to eat it green we used to eat it like toasted I, I love it. Through the walk from, from my province to Damascus, we didn't have food. That's like everything during the play. But there, that's the reason I decided to call it to eat an almond. We didn't have food. We didn't have water. We were walking through almond trees all the way. Like it was almond trees. I would not say it in English, the word or, orchards. Orchard? Yeah. yeah. It was almond trees all the way from Damascus, from home, from my province to Damascus. So what we would eat almonds every day, just 
to keep moving. After six days, can't even stand the sight of it. Mm -hmm. It just always, when I look at it, it reminds me of from home, remind me of home, remind me of war. Sometimes it wouldn't. It's just like certain kinds. To be honest, like we were struggling with the title because we didn't want to have it like a just bloody title. We, we want something like can people. It's like oh, I'm interested of knowing what's going on. They say it's a, and then I'll be honest with you how I got this title. Like I was at Superstore, and I saw like I don't know if you know them like the green almonds. They had. They, they still raw, they, right, they right. sell them. And I saw that. And that really instant moment when I looked at it, it's just, I, 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 at that time, I still don't eat almonds. I just can't, can't even look at it. When I was, in my head, I was like, okay, I need a title, the play is coming soon, we need a title, we need to submit it. And I look at the almonds. And an instant flashback of what happened. This is all about hope. This is about like losing the loved ones, losing the things you love. Like I used to love almonds and now I can't stand the sight of it. And literally I text my friend Brendan. I was like, the title has something to do with almonds. And we were in the play we were emphasizing on emphasizing on like that we walked through almond trees, or oh, that's everything we ate. We had almonds back home. So that's the mm -hmm. reason it's like I can't stand the sight of almonds anymore. And that's the reason we call it Tweet Almond. And it was interesting. Like, people were looking forward to hear about it. But you don't get the reason until the end. Right. She's like, now you know the reason if you're going to watch the play. <laughs> well, I think that's powerful, too, because it shows you the power of, of trauma and PTSD. And you, you even said earlier of just smells and certain things. And even what your play was doing of everything that you love or things that you love have been taken away from you and even that yeah. joy that all like the almond or it could just be a certain smell that exactly it could remind you of home which should be a happy memory exactly and then that was robbed yeah it was that was robbed from me and i still don't eat almonds at, until now i can't i can't stand the sight of them so mm -hmm. so my play start with like introduction and then and then i go through told you three acts i go through my first one i go through like the first time i I had thought I lost my dad. Yeah, the first time I thought I had lost my dad was like we were about to have lunch and I, it was quiet, like there was no bombing. Like the bombing in Syria was just like, it would go, like they would have a fight and then they bomb and then it's quiet and everything back to normal. Like people just tired from sitting home, tired from sitting in shelters, like under the ground sometimes. They just want to go outside and breathe and. Just go back to your life because every day you're hoping that today is the last day. Right. So like when you see it quiet, you're not going to stay home. You're just going to, oh, this is it. Like you always, you are always connected to that hope that this is the last day. This is it. This is, we're going to go back to normal. So people try to go back to their normal life and then it start all over again. We were about to have lunch. So we needed some bread. So I told you everything back to normal. It's just strange. Like it would be bombing. Like bombs 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 like fighting and all of a sudden it's gone and because everyone is connected that hope there's people are trying to go back to their normal life normal life as soon as they see everything stopped like this is was like we couldn't go back to our normal life because it's like construction company and it was at that time it got bombed so we lost the company and we couldn't get to the farm but like 
like things like market, things like grocery stores, they just open, try to sell their food, like people are, wants to, we got, want, people want supplies. It was just like... You want to go back to normalcy. People, people really want to go back to normal, even though I'm not 100% sure it's, it's all over, mm-hmm. it's all done. So like yeah, we were we were about to have lunch. We want we wanted some bread. We had a grocery store. It was like five minutes walk from our house. But the the part that you don't know, you don't know when it's gonna start. It's always scary when it's qu- get quiet because you don't know when it it's gonna start. Because if it's already started, you know. But the instant moment, you know where, because you. You, can, you need to hide, you need to go under the ground, you need to go to shelters, you need to go to safe places. But if it just started... And you're at like, a grocery store? Yeah, you're not at a, you are at the grocery store, that's like high risk, you're gonna get something. Um, so yeah, I was at the grocery store. I got some bread. I was walking home. I hear a sound of a helicopter. You know, like the sound comes before the plane, for, for the helicopter. And I start looking around me, like, where is it? It's just like the curiosity. Like, it's not like we're not scared anymore. It's just like you want to see, is it really coming back? Is it really going to start all over again? Or am I just dreaming? Or are these bad dreams? And then I always remind people, this is a 15 years old. It's not like this 23, 23 years old in front of you. It's a 15 years old thinking about all this. So start looking around, couldn't find it for a minute. I was like, okay, I'm definitely dreaming. And then I walked toward the house. I don't know how the distance from the house to the grocery store, it got longer and longer. I'm just telling you, like, I'm going to tell you a story and you're going to say it's only five minutes walk. It got longer and longer. I keep, and I was like, there's no way I'm dreaming. Like, people are looking, I am looking. Like, this is, this is true. Like, I need to find that plane. And I look, I look and it's just getting closer and closer. And all I see is the plane. This is really hard to explain, but like, you need to imagine with me, a helicopter, it just dropped a bomb like this. I didn't know anything about this. No one would have told me about this unless I saw it in my eyes. <laughs> you see it in movies sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it in movies, but I did not know that's gonna be real. So helicopters, they just dropped a bomb and you can see it. Because it goes, it just... You can see the bomb falling. Yeah, because it's a gravity act. It's only gravity acting on it at that point. So I see the helicopter drop the bomb. And I, I, but I was just looking at the bomb, see where it's going. Like I, and then I look quick and I see it's going straight toward my house. And my father was there. But at that point, didn't know what to do. Like run, go toward my father, tell him to leave. There's no way I'm going to make it told you that that way it got longer and longer and longer and longer. It's just like there's no way I'm going to make it. So I decided to run away because there's no way I'm going to make it. And then the bomb exploded in the house. The house got destroyed. There's no way I can describe my feelings at that time. How I ran. I was running. Things, rocks were falling. Like still the effect of the dust. I was running through the dust. Got to the house. Started looking for my dad. It was a hard moment to see, you know, like. That's what I'm talking about. The instant moments that you feel like you see the house destroyed, like there's no way he's still alive. These are the three moments I was talking about. Right. The moment I thought I lost my dad until I saw him alive. How do you continue to move on? You see your house, it's destroyed, 
you assume your father's in there, who was your main hope for survival. You're kind of driving force, I guess, for survival. Mm -hmm. How do you decide to keep moving? Because he's my only hope. So I wouldn't be sure that I lost the hope until I see my dad dead, for, for example. So I was like, I got to look for him. And then I started digging, like, literally. And then people people around me just started appearing. They were helping, like, start digging. And we were calling dad, dad. And then he, <clears throat> he didn't respond. And that, that hope is just like going away it's fading it's just real but i don't know where was my dad so after like five hours of search like under it's literally a big house of like 10 rooms two floors it just got destroyed and you're, you're looking under the destructions <laughs> it's that's not easy we don't have the tools I told you we're under siege you can't you can't do anything keep looking for five hours and then we found him under the destructions i think it's God here trying to protect him. It's like when the house got destroyed, the two things collapsed like on a triangle and he was in between. Wow. But the reason he couldn't answer us because, I don't know the word here. He couldn't breathe anymore from the dust and everything. So he lost consciousness. Okay. So literally no wounds in his body. Like he was well protected, like safe. When we got there, we took him to the hospital, like small wounds in his body, and he was alive. Like, we lost the house, we don't care about but my hope's still there, my dad's still there. So this instant, these five hours I was looking for my dad, these are the moments I can't forget. Mm -hmm. Like, I can forget, not I can, but like, I think someday I will forget about like other things that happened to me, things I saw, like so many things happened. So many traumatic things, like saw people dead, saw loved ones dead. But it's part of your family, it's different. So these are the five hours I was looking for my dad through the destructions. It's just the moments I can't forget, but I have to explain things happened before to be able to get these moments. So yeah, this is the first time. After that, we moved to my uncle's house and then we, we lived in his house, but my dad was alive and everything. We lost the house after what, after what I felt in these five hours, you literally don't care about about what happened, about what you lose. Yeah, this is the one act, the first act of the first part of the play. I go through that, give people a little bit of breathe after this because it's kind of, I kind of explained it in more details of like, yeah. and sound effects and explosions and then dust machine and all of that. So it kind of like got real on stage. I told you, we take people to the past and then give them a little break, breathe. And then we go to the second part. It's almost like it's almost like you're doing for the audience. You're giving them the feelings exactly. that you've experienced, bringing through the emotions, and then you let them breathe. You give them hope again. Yes. And it's kind of I'm, that I'm kind of like playing with their emotion, but not in a bad way. I'm playing with yep. their emotion to get them to lose that hope and then get it back again. It's just like you're sitting here. You're just like all you all you're feeling is just the physical feelings. You're feeling, you're hearing the, the bomb, you're feeling, you're smelling the dust, you're, you're just seeing flashlights that like the bomb explosion. But I'm telling you about the pain that you go through at that moment. So like if they have the physical part and I'm telling them they are building hope and they're losing that hope again. So it kind of like worked really well, like worked really well with having all these sound effects 
and then we go to the present for a little bit and then second time was the hard time for me because I don't remember it's all based on my dad's memory because what I remember me and my dad walking down the street again it's quiet nothing's going on it's just the instant moment it starts that's the dangerous part nothing's going on and all of a sudden it's bomb exploded between us like literally close and all I feel I feel like the pressure just pushed me away I don't feel anything like at that point it just all the wounds still hot like you don't feel anything if you, even if you're injured until you look at it so what I remember this is what I remember from my memory what I remember I start looking for my dad because I was worried like it was really dusty I couldn't see anything I was calling him no answer and like we we were like kind of a lot of people like I see people injured like around me people dead like some people died in a really traumatic way at that point at that, that thing because mm -hmm. kind of like we were we were not group but group but it's in a street you know it's like street a lot of people and then you explode you're a bomb there and then I call my dad and I can he couldn't answer me but then I start feeling pain in my body like it's one over here, one over here. Start feeling that pain. I looked at it, and it's once you see the blood and the pain, I just lost my consciousness. My consciousness. And all I remember, I just woke up in after three months in a coma, and it was, I was alive. <laughs> yeah, that's all I remember. But what my dad tells me, my dad tells me that I, like, what I remember that I fall on the ground. My dad tells me that I was, I was awake, and I talked to him. And I hugged him, and then I, I went to, lost my consciousness. So it's like it was almost like you found him, and then you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm, I, I can yeah. go. I can go now. Yeah, and the play it goes through the conversation me and my dad I had, which is he tells me I don't remember. We apparently we had a conversation I don't remember, but say yeah, that that injury was dangerous. It was close to my heart. It was like this close to my heart, they had to do, like doctors told me that they had to do a lot of surgeries, apparently like I was a, I was in a coma for like two months at least. And so was your father with you at this point? Yeah, my father was me, was me at that point. He had nothing, he had no wounds, no, and he didn't get injured. I was the one who got injured at that point. But for going back to the moment, the reason I chose to, the reason I chose this moment is when I got that pressure pushed me away I felt that pressure is just separating from, separating me from my dad and also I start looking for my dad and you see the destruction you see people dying around you people injured like screaming it's just like so hard to explain that moment that's when I thought I lost my dad it's just like the bomb right. exploded there I didn't know I was injured that that like when I was thinking about that it just like that was a few minutes. That was not even a few uh, five hours. It was a few minutes where I thought I lost my dad. It's like you lose your whole point. You lose you you lose your loved one. Like you lo you lost your dad. And then all I remember, I wake up in the hospital. And then the moment I saw him, I remember I lost him. But then I saw him at the hospital. That was a hard one. It was. Now I would say that was one of the hardest moment to perform on stage. Because I was looking at people, and then that was like the part where 
kind of, I don't want to say the breakdown, that was like, they cannot control their emotion anymore. It's just mm-hmm. getting real. This guy in front of us got injured and he's mm-hmm. with us right now. Mm-hmm. This is what I, this is like from people well, and talking I think to too, me at that, at that moment, it's compounded of what they've witnessed with that, the first part of, and then, <clears throat> and then you, so to, to only fun. go through that is absolutely horrible. And then, and then now they're watching you and it's like, okay, now you're injured. Mm-hmm. And so it's even like compounding. Yeah. So here I knew that was going to be a hard moment. So like if mm-hmm. I, if I was one of them, I would have a limit to handle. I just don't want to, I don't want them to run away. Cause I told you I'm aware, I'm aware. And I don't want to use it in the wrong place. Yeah. And I knew it was not the wrong place, but I just needed to handle it nicely to people. Cause if I go like, this, 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 then they're going to say, I can't handle it anymore. I was aware which, of all of that, which is like... Which is, I don't know, not funny isn't the correct word to use, but it's interesting that you say that because you've handled it. Yeah. You know, like all of that stuff that you've gone through in your life, and then you're trying to share it, but you know you can't say, here's every single thing that happened to me because, because that's too much for you. Yeah, because I wasn't able to, to let it all out at once. Right. I had to do it slowly. I had to do it like to go through process, the writing, theater. So it's not like easy to just throw it at them and then imagine they will understand it. Right. And also it's a, it's on the other side of the world and it's like they know nothing about what's going on there. Like if I was talking to someone who has been through it but they, don't, they didn't experience, if I was talking to someone from Syria who had like just experienced a loss of, I lost someone, a loss of loved ones. I can throw it at them. It's fine. They will understand. But here it's different. People never experienced war, which I hope they don't. They only experience it in the movies and what they heard from their parents, if they have immigrants, if they... That's all. You can't throw anything at them. And that was one of the things that I was aware of. And I was on my... On a big agreement with my two partners like Lionel Lissette and Brendan. Brendan was a writer, he used to write like about trauma and help people. Like he he can handle it. Lionel Lissette was a big brain for us. He just passed away last year. He was a big help in this one. Like I would talk to him about anything and I I would tell him they just okay if I'm telling you this, how are you gonna receive it? Not that you are my friends, like just ignore, he can, he can just ignore he can that, separate it. he can separate it and tell you how he's feeling at that moment. So I can just work on it. It's like, um, what you said there, it's not making sense. So maybe you want to explain more and this and this, he can separate it. He was a big help in this. Without them, I wouldn't be able to do this. Right. And then we go, you gotta take a little kind of like transition and then we go to the third part where we get to the almond. <laughs> yes, we get we get to the almond. The third part is about like literally losing hope. Like it's all it's over. It's done. Like losing hope, lo- hope lost my dad. I have no way. My family is far away from me. So like the third part I lo- I thought I had lost my dad was when we were walking from Homs to Damascus through the almond trees. We were like 10,000 people just walking, hiding from the government forces because they just wanted us. They don't want us to leave, so we don't tell this truth mm. of what had happened. Sort of. We were hiding, 
we would walk during the night and stop during the day. We kept walking at 290 kilometers. So that took us six days of walking just at nights. I don't exactly remember. I think it's on the fourth day or the fifth day. I was walking with my dad and I somehow like I lost him. And I looked for him like because people on the walk, it's not like we're walking in a safer place. Like we get into places where pe- where like the cover forces are shouting at us, like they're just guns. So you have bullying. to be constantly hiding and we're constantly hiding. We're mm-hmm. weapons. We're like we get to places during the day. If we have to hide, we we have to hide under the trees literally all day. So like the airplane or the helicopter, they don't see us. They would bomb. And you're saying there's ten thousand people. Ten thousand people, this. and you're trying to not make a noise, and you have ten thousand people. And I lost my dad through these people, like in these ten thousand people. Literally, through the six days, what lost around eight hundred people died on the way, because yeah. not everyone was able to to hide. So yeah, when I lost my dad, and then looked for him for like the whole day, and asked everyone I know about him and then everyone said like they didn't see him so I was like he's dead and these people who died and this is what I lost all back in but this was the biggest loss because now that I lost my dad I'm away from my family away from home just middle of nowhere God knows if we're gonna make it or not there's no lead it's just like and this is again still 15 years old and I kind of like, I was surrounded by people I know, but they're not my relatives. It was kind of like our two days, long story short. So you're two days, you're still walking to Damascus. I'm just walking with the just... people, I don't know. The end goal is to get to Damascus, but there is no lead. We're just walking. Mm-hmm. And do, was there a purpose to be going to Damascus? or? It's just safer. Just safer. It's just safer, and that, was, that would be our transition to Lebanon. Okay. That was like on the border to Lebanon. On the sixth day, I think, just just before I get to Damascus, before we get to Damascus, at, at that point, I was like, my hope is gone, like, my dad's gone and everything. Just before we get to Damascus, I found him. He was alive. He was looking for me, but just hard time finding each other, looking in different places, different directions. Found him. That's when I felt like I had my hope again, and then... I think 12 hours after that, we got to Damascus. We be, we were in safe places. We were in good hands. And that's where my story stopped. Now, and did they, your parents go? Yeah. Did your parents they, and family go and see yeah, the Yeah, they went and they saw it. Was it hard for them? It was it was, it was, was quite hard, but I was impressed how fam- my family were. My mom and dad were supported. They supported this idea, and they want, they want to share this with the people. They want to tell them the truth. Because once what you see on the TV, it's not the truth. Part of it is truth, but the people who survived it, the people who has no side to be with, like, I'm not with this side, I'm not with this side, I am just a civilian. I am just living my simple life, and this is what's happening for me. I would have been... <laughs> I don't, I don't want to say it would have been easier if I choose a side, but then if you choose a side, you're going to have to fight, you have, you're going to have to carry a weapon, and then... You don't know if the side, this side is right or this side is right. All the sides are just fighting for... It's for money at this point. So yeah, but after I shared that play, it was an incredible feeling. 
just walking around this town. It's just like I don't feel I'm hiding something. It's not like I was hiding something bad. It's like, well, you yeah, put it okay. all out there. I put it all out there. People know about it. People start new about me. Kind of was a good reputation in town. Like I really liked the way that they received it. I was like, okay, this is the right thing to do. And then after that, people start asking to do it more and more. I was like, okay, that's not what I was looking for, but I'm willing to do it more and more. And then the sponsor group, they were really impressed by the story. They were like, we can use it for a fundraiser. We can use it to raise money and bring families here. And I was like, what a good way to use the story. This is like the turn I was not thinking about. Like this is, the, I was not thinking about this at all. They were like, oh, we can give you money. I was like, no, I don't want money. This is like something I can't buy. Like the feeling I'm feeling at, when it's, I do the play. And it's funny because like, you said like when you started doing this, you knew you knew you wanted it maybe like at the point where you're like, okay, hey, I want this out there, but I want it to be used in the right way. Yeah, I just and don't then want like the wrong way. How beautiful is it this, that you're able to use so your story? Happy, I was like so looking forward to do it. And then we do it as a fundraiser, and this is the really, really great part about that play and the way we used it. Okay, we do it as a fundraiser. Our goal was to raise five five thousand dollar. So my play was combined with another fundraiser they were doing. We had two students and Senefax, they decided to grow their hair. They grew it for like three years. No, I think it's more than three years anyway. They were brothers. They started to grow their hair and at some point cut it and give it to people who needed cancer, but like they needed people to give money for that. So their goal was $5,000 and we put the play with that. So we did the haircut and then we did the play. So we were telling people, if you want to come to the haircut, you'll, you'll see the play, you'll get a chance to see the play again, and this and this. Because not everyone got a chance to see it when I did it, the one act. A huge turnout. A huge turnout. Not even, not, the play is not started yet. We hit the $8,000. We, we are already above the, we are already above the $5,000. The play is not even started yet. We they did the haircut, were $8,000 something they did not tell me I did that play same feeling again I was building bridges through these bridges my words are going through each audience that were well received after we finished the play an anonymous donation of $20,000 so that play and the haircut raised $28,000 in one night $28,000 it's half what you need to bring a family so it was I just don't know, do not know how to describe my feeling because the yeah. guy didn't see the reason I told you about like I don't want to use it in the wrong place and then want to use it in the right place and then this is what happened. Mm -hmm. It's not like what I was expecting, not what I was looking for, but can't say no for that. And literally three or four weeks after that, I got asked by Theater New uh, Theater New Glasgow to do it, and I know the sponsor group in New Glasgow. They have two Syrian families. I was like, what? they were like, oh, we don't want to charge admission for this one. What should we do? I was like, okay, this is what we did in New Glasgow, in El Ganesh. So if you want to do it, I'm more than happy to do it. And then, I was, and then they talked to me. I was like, yeah, guys, just do it for donation. The admission is by donation and see what happened. Yeah, we did the same thing. It was really well received in New Glasgow. And there is more. they didn't put a goal, but they raised $10,000 in one night. And then after New Glasgow, I got the award. Yeah, you got an award um, in, Vancouver. in Vancouver. Yeah. And they asked you to fly out. 
Yes, that was that was interesting. It was an interesting time. And also, like, you see, like, because of the play, I'm getting an award in mm-hmm. Vancouver, which is never dreamed to be there. Like, I knew, I always knew about Vancouver. I always wanted to go. It's like, it's just like the way it, this story turned. It's not like, okay, I'm dealing with it, but it just, it's bringing me joy again. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, where is the money that bring? Like, I was happy. Where is the money again? I was happy. And then it's, Taking me to Vancouver is making me even more happy. And it's funny because you can't imagine that coming this, from this story too is like running, running away from your country, or not running away from your country, but like ha- being forced to leave your country. And then you bring this story, but it's allowing you to almost explore the country. Explore it the took country, you to- and then it's almost like Lionel the set used to say, "Okay, you're not going through the story again." But you are trying to dig the positive of it and take it with you. And that's what you're going to use in your life. It's like you might have to dig a little bit hard. You have to live the moment again. You have to go through it, through all the pain you, you went through. But make sure you come with a positive thing. So, and, and that's what he was talking about, the positive things that the effect, how is it going to affect people? This is the positive. I, I didn't understand him at that point, but he was like, if you go with this play and then you perform it, you will understand what I'm talking about. He was a really great man. Like, he was a great man in my life. He was, he was my biggest inspiration. Like, if I would be, like, uncomfortable talking to anyone in English, I would not with, with him. Because he was, like, my English teacher, my theater buddy, and everything. He was great. And the award was because of him. Because... Um, he knew an organization in Vancouver called Fresh Voices because his uh, two daughters, they live in Vancouver, so he's always there and he's involved with theater a lot. So he knew about this Fresh Voices organization. So Fresh Voices, basically, they do every year, they have eight awards. They support any immigrants. They give them for any immigrants who use art in general, like any kind of art, to tell their story, like music, plays, theater, sports, anything, like anything, just like, but you have to be nominated, like someone has to nominate you, like have to submit a letter, submit an application. So eight awards for immigrants in BC. Okay, seven of the eight, they're only for immigrants in BC. One is the all across Canada. So, without telling me, he go, write the nomination letter, and then get the sponsor group, SAFE, to help with the letter, write some references, fill the application, and everything, competing on the one award, because I can't, on the PC one, on the one award all across Canada. Without me knowing at all, they just put my email, and, and the thing says, if he's selected, we will contact him directly. And one day in June, I think, early June, they contacted me and I'm just like, you know, when you read an email, you read the whole thing. I was like, I still don't understand <laughs> what's going <laughs> like, on. I didn't apply for this award. And I see that he is a CC on that email and then someone from the, from the group just copied on that email. I was like, okay, then please someone explain. This is nice. So the, the email, the first email says, um, they had a great time because what he did, he wrote, he told you, he wrote the nomination letter. He filled the application and with the group. 
I'm not sure if they saw the play, but what they saw after I did my the play for the one act, I did an interview with CBC. They saw that interview. They they I, I did that interview was long, and then she had like shortcuts from the play when I was performing. She was there the night I, the, the girl was there the, the the night I performed the play. She didn't she didn't film the whole play. She just, just watched the like, yeah. clips. Yeah. So she said that. They, they saw that and they are really interested, but they are having a hard time choose from their 25 applicants. And this year, they usually choose one, but this year they are kind of like breaking the rule and changing the rule of like choosing three out of the 25. Three out of the 25 shortlisted. So the three of us, I don't know about the, the rest of the, the, the two, this year they said in the email that the three of us would fly there. We'll gain a trip of three days to Vancouver. Attend the award night. If for, if you're not the winner, at least you have the trip. If you're the winner, it's a thousand dollar. You come with a thousand dollar and the award. I was like, you know what? I don't care about that award. Just give me the trip. Yeah. <laughs> and then in then their second email, they said, you can take someone with you and it's all covered. And I was like, okay, I'll take my sister. And then, and then I told them, yeah, I'll take my sister and everything. But we come to the date of the, of the award night. It's the three days. They wanted us there for four days. The four days I have exams. So this is when like, Life got difficult. I can't handle it anymore. My plate is full. So I go talk to my teachers and teachers in high school. I was like, is there a way I can write my exams before I go or after or anything? They were like, yeah, that's your last week here. So <laughs> they did it for me. I wrote my exams. I, I had four exams. I, I wrote three before I left. And then two, uh, one after I came back. So yeah, I solved that problem was exams. So I go to Vancouver. It was my first time getting out of the province. I was like, okay, now I know the language. I can I can go. And then I go there. It, like Fresh Voices, they have such nice organization. They're like nice people, all immigrants. And they're, they're just so nice people. Like the hotel is paid, the, the taxi driver there, like the flight for me and my sister was all paid. And then also like some some fun things to do downtown. We only got one, two days to do, to, like to do some fun, and then the award night. And I go to the award night, and then they announce the the seven awards in BC, and they come to the last one. They make it hard. They were like, took <laughs> time. They, You're like they, on the edge uh, of your seat the whole night. <laughs> yeah, they make it hard, and then they announce my name, and I was so happy that after all this, I come back with this award. It just everything paid off. I literally, it was, the award was the best thing ever. Yeah. And then the next day we fly back. Well, it just kind of shows you, and not that you needed it, because I think you saw the validation through just even your own personal growth yeah, and experience, just, but it was just that extra... Extra thing that's like, you did. still something positive about yeah. this play you can, yeah. you can use in your life. And, mm-hmm. and that, that's powerful. That's... It's powerful too, just for you to be able to share your story and to kind of enlighten others. Yeah, I think the important thing about sharing the story is knowing where to share it mm-hmm. or with who to share it. Mm-hmm. And then also don't rush it. 
Yeah. I say I'd say like if I have one advice to give for someone who's not who's sharing their story, do not rush it because when it's time to share it, it is done. Mm-hmm. Like because when it's not time, you're gonna have to start acting. And that's when if you're acting to yourself that it's it's okay, it's getting out of me, but then at the same time it's not. You can convince yourself for what days, months, but after that it's back. But when it's time to get it out, it is time, and then it will just easily go out. It'll never go away. It will never, never go away. Based like if you go based on studies, based on like psychologists, everything, I know a hundred percent for sure. I'll never go away. But I, the only thing I know is. There's ways to deal with it, mm-hmm. and there's so many ways. For me, I use theater. Theater was my therapy. Mm-hmm. And for others listening, you kind of you said it earlier. Find your way to share. Literally, find, find your, your way, way. Find your niche. Find what works for you, and share your story. And also, what like what make you confident talking about it? You need that hundred percent sure, confident feelings that. Yes, I'm confident. I can do this. I can talk about it. Like, drama could be in so many different ways. It doesn't have to be war. That's like kind of like the extreme thing, but it could be in a relationship. It could be like because one of the symptoms on PTSD, like, it's not like, it's not everything, all the symptoms they see on PTSD, it's coming from war. It's like kind of like a bad relationship, kind of like child abuse or all the things that might happen it's not always it's not always coming from war and I would say do not over how do I say overestimate your trauma like there's something underestimate your trauma underestimate yeah, and the don't, power uh, of your trauma yeah don't underestimate the power of trauma it's like oh it's nothing it's not gonna affect me I'd say like trauma does not affect you right away because for me if we're going back to me, to my example, trauma did not affect me until, what, two years in Syria, that's when, how, that's when I, the trauma happened. Three years in Lebanon, kind of affected me a little bit, but I was able to ignore it. But after that, <clears throat> when I got here, could not ignore it anymore. So, like, did not feel the effect until five years after, if you would say. Mm-hmm. So, I would say there's a long effect coming in in the future but so like don't underestimate yeah. trauma like even if it's a small thing it might affect you so yeah and it will hit you at a different time it will hit you at a different time my story is as you said you put it way nicely my story is one of million stories in Syria like it's not like I'm, t- I'm speaking on behalf of everyone like they're like you can hear a story that could be more powerful than my story but that's that's something that they've been through a lot more than me. Like if, if for me, I thought I had lost someone, they, someone would come and say, I literally lost someone. So like, I can't, I can't, I can only imagine what they've been through, what they're like, because for me, I lost the hope and then I only lost it for like certain time and then I get it back and I lost my dad and I, I get my dad's back. It's just like all these, but I have lost someone. I have lost friends, I've lost family members. I can only imagine like if someone 
like losing their father or their sister or brother or like loved ones in general. I can imagine, I can relate to that. For, but for me, what stick with me until today, until what, like we're seven, eight, or eight years away from what happened. For me, what stick with me is when I lost, when I thought I had lost my father. Mm-hmm. Just those thoughts, those voices in my head through this time when I was thinking, oh, my dad is gone. This is what stick with me. And you can't really have a control over that. And that's, and as we kind of said before, this is your story. And there's many stories out there. Exactly. This one's yours. This is your piece mm-hmm. that you were willing to share. Yeah, that's so. my, my piece. I was willing to share with people. And I'm really, really impressed of the way they received it. And I'm really happy. Like, was especially the Antigonish community, the way they received it, it's kind of like, it's not like they didn't know that much. They knew much about it. They knew much about the war. But it kind of like they were questioning, is it right? Is it like this is what's happening or mm-hmm. and I kind of like came and explained it and they were like the biggest thing I really liked the respect like the respect I got from these people like not after the play it's just like the respect they were showing while they were listening or while I was talking to them which is like everyone like you're showing everyone's just listening carefully respect like they're, they're questioning if they have questions they will ask but like my biggest fear before sharing the story was like I go share the story and then they, no one would respect it mm-hmm. or no one's like oh it's, you know it's not true no one would believe it like you, you start to have these feel, fears before you share the story because you're gonna think oh what would happen if I share it what would happen if this happened what would I do so you start questioning yourself. Like my my biggest fear was like, oh, people are gonna, oh no, it's not true. No, you didn't go through that. I don't believe you. There's no such a human will do that. So I was just questioning all of these before, but like after all the respects I I saw from like the Antigonish community or like New Glasgow community, or even when I did interviews with the CBC, like I did I, I did a lot of interviews over the phone with the CBC. And also my friend who came here and then covered the... It's just a lot of respect they show. So, like, it's all what I was aware is. Mm-hmm. I was aware from it. I was, like, I was like hoping that's not going to happen, and it didn't happen. So I'm really glad of how much respect. Yeah. I, I, it, they respected this play, but it's, it's more about play. It's more than a play. It's, not, yeah. it's a story telling. Yeah. yeah, and then also in my play, I explained that's, like, what you saw, what you saw, it's like we say it's a play, but that's a way to get people. But then, it's more than a play, and there's a lot hidden behind this play. And it's only a story of millions right. who survived yeah. war, people who survived and lost someone, people like me. I survived. I thought I had lost someone. So, really, that's really powerful. Like, and also, I like like theater, like theater had provided me with all these safe space to let this go, to make friendship. I made a lot of friends over there. <laughs> and I improved my English. So yeah. you don't go it was a win. English. It was a win-win. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. a win-win. Like yeah. if not And it was that it's... community that you were able able to build. Yeah, I've I've met a lot of people after that play, after this story. It's just always too good to tell the story. Because then you're building 
And I was not able, I'll be honest with you, I was not able to call Antigonish home until that story was out. I don't know what the kind of connection was that, but kind of... Because before what people would ask, oh, is this your home? And I was like, I wouldn't say no. I was like, I've only been here for a few months. I can't tell. I can't tell you if it's true or false, but I don't know yet. But after that, like I would be doing interviews and they would ask and that question would not stop me at all. I wouldn't stop at that question at all. I would just say, yes, yeah, my second home. I think it just has something to do with the fact that people now know who I am. If not, at least the majority know my story. Like your mm -hmm. mom told you about my yeah. story and then the fact that people know my story right now, I just right. like... Well, yeah. you're no longer a stranger. And that's, yeah, no longer And that's kind stranger, of something exactly. that you lost in Syria, like in your own province where you grew up with your uncles and exactly. your family. They knew you. They knew your yeah, story. If I, like, if, like, I'll be honest with you, like there are people in town, they know me and I don't. I, I, I just like don't remember because I've, after the play, I've met a lot of people. I'm not good with names. I'm good with faces for sure. So if I see you around, I recognize you. <laughs> You'll be like, hey, I recognize mini celebrity you. in Anakinish. I, I'll, I'll, I'll recognize you. But. So see the play, we, we, we used it in three, three fundraisers and then it got me the award. But the part that my, my principal in high school, I missed that part. Because I was counting the times I performed it. I was like, I performed it two more times. I don't remember them. Uh, my principal in high school, she saw my play. Another teacher saw the play too. And they were talking about it in school. And I was in school. And also, so my principal was like, I really want all the teachers to see your story. I was like, why teachers? And I just was like, if I get this to their head, that the importance of education and then the importance of losing loved ones and all of that. And then she said like, no, no, not all my teachers got a chance to see it. So if we can do an event where you can perform it just for teachers, because she said like, we're having, I don't know what they call it. An in-service? In-service, exactly. She's like, <laughs> my teacher having... coming in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your teacher. She's like, we're having an in-service and we have like someone from school board. They're coming like school for like from different schools. She was like, we're going to have our, around like 300 teachers coming to our state. To our, We're looking for activities for them. So it would be really important if we can advertise for this and tell this story. So all, most of the teachers in Nova Scotia, they can hear about it from here. And you can tell your story. And I can tell you want to tell it. And I was like, this is really important. This is really good. Like, I, I got to do it. She was like, we can get you all the supports you want in, in the school, like stage and everything you want. Just tell us when. She was like, okay, we have a date. We have a date. Just tell us if you're ready. And I was like, just let me t give me two days to think about it. Her reasons were resonating in my mind you know like she was like i want teachers to hear about this story like because you see like some of the teachers they have some she was like my biggest reason she was like okay i i know you don't have kids in your family i don't have kids my my brother is 16 my test my sister is 18. she's like i know i know you don't have kids in your family but i'm assuming we're gonna have more families in Anaganish. just like if teachers know what you've been through they can they can at least imagine if they have someone in their class you know like someone just to how to deal with it like 
the things to react, like the way, because you can always relate to that story. It's not going to be the same, but you can always relate to it. And it would be helpful to have this story in mind. And I was like, that's great. And I talked to my two partners and they were like, that's, that's amazing that she's doing that. And she was like, I really want a Q&A after that. Just if there are any questions in their mind, like in the teacher's mind, do you want to let it out? You can answer it. If You can say no if you want. And I was, yes. And we practiced for four days and we performed it. That was second best performance that I've ever done, like just to perform in front of teachers. Across the province. Across, across the, province. the province. And then knowing, like because when I performed in front of, in the one act, I know the people, they're going to receive it well, they're going to use it, but like I already know what I'm saying is going to be used in a good way to help some, any refugees who have been through trauma. And that's the goal. Like she, she told me, I'm gonna tell all the teachers. That you can learn from this play. You can ask questions, and their their questions were absolutely like just on point all the time. They were like just reading my mind, you know, like because I don't know. They were like looking at it in a way they were they would use it in their class, and I was like, I was not aware of that that you can use it in this way. But it was all coming from the principal. Uh, it's the principal idea who thought about this and then kind of like worked with some teachers. And that was like my second, like best performance I've ever done. Like the literally performance was 25 minutes. Q&A was more than half an hour. It was like, I was just enjoying it, was happy, was the way they're receiving it. And think of how many, like how powerful that is. Yes, how powerful that is. And then, all the teachers going across the province. Yes, and I still have the book. I, uh, yeah, there's this thing I used to do with, uh, with me doing the play. It's kind of like my memory book, like leave your comment. I used to just leave it outside that when the when audience are walking out to just like if they like to write me a comment every once in a while I just go look at it mm. it's so nice to read them all over again just remind me of what I did mm. like all the the play and they, their comment I just still read like the comments I got from teacher they're just so good like you can just read them and Get motivated for life. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. And yeah. especially as you're going through your engineering program and you're uh, getting that's down. That, like, that, uh, take through, that through out university, I'm slowing down on that. But I think I've done I've done enough to deal with that. Mm. Say, like, would say, like, to deal with that trauma, I've done enough. Last year was my last performance. So I performed it for two years. Keep going. Last year, last year was my... Last performance, just to show you how this story got the importance of sharing the story. It just keep going. Promise it's the last one. Last year was my first, 2017 was my first year at university. I got involved with a group called SantaFX for Safe, which, you know, Safe, they do fundraisers in town and they help bring refugees. So Centifex for Safe, it's kind of like a society on campus who help raise money on, on campus and give it to Safe. Because you can't sponsor a group that's just being a society on campus. We help like do fundraisers, gold cheese, go check at night, doing small things here and there, just fundraisers on campus. And 
we would give money, this money to SAFE and they would sponsor the family. Uh, last year, in 2017, was the play when we raised the 28000 and everything. And all the fundraiser we did, through Senefx for SAFE, we raised $100,000. And that's enough to sponsor like two families, maybe three. So it's have have families come? Yeah. Oh yeah, we have we have that? three of them who arrived. Wow. And two and one is come. one is like the families we sponsor from this money, from the hundred thousand dollar, two of them are here. And one is just waiting for their tickets. You can see the changes. So next year last year we decided to do something different. We had the class of twenty eighteen, they were having a project of like starting a bursary just for refugees, for like any refugees, they have a refugee status, they can apply for, for this, they can, it can help them through their, through their school, it's a thousand dollar. So the goal was, the goal was to, if we raise $50,000 through the whole year, we put this money through an investment with the school that can give every year a thousand dollar as an interest. You know, I don't know how they did the yeah. business of it, but that's the that's the the basic idea of it. So the goal was to raise fifty thousand dollar. So the class of two thousand eighteen reached out for Senefx for Safe, just asked the society, and they were like, "We would like to help because I think this is a refugee thing, and then it would be helpful to do it to do that." And I was thinking about ways to do this, and that. I, I at that time I was away. At that time I was away from the play for almost seven months and then the, we did fundraisers but it was it was good but we needed that big push and then the president of Senefax Kate McDonald he asked me if I can in February break they have the board of governors here and he was looking for some activities it's the same, same, same idea in high school. It's just kind of like, the same, it's a different level now. He was like, I'm looking for some activities. And then I was looking if you want to perform your play. And at the same time, we can do it as a fundraiser for the bursary you're doing, you guys are doing. He was like, I know you guys are doing this and this. I was so impressed. I was like, I'm, I've been away from this play for long. <laughs> I have to deal with it again. And it, during, he told me like a month before, in January and then February break was in February 20 something and then February 1st Lionel said passed away so it was so difficult to do it without him because he was he was my biggest help so it was only me and Brendan at that point we did the play we raised I don't know I'm not sure but like I think we hit the $10,000 that was great that was money from the board of governors they have money you can donate. <laughs> but it was so difficult because I was doing the play. Okay, I'm dealing with something from the past. But we're talking about 2011. But at the same time, this play is reminding me of Lionel the Set mm -hmm. and all the time we did together. And that's where I decided this is not going to work anymore. Like, I, I can do it, but unless it's I have to or absolute need to do it. Because it was so difficult. If I was not, if I knew before his death that if I knew he was gonna die, I would not have done this play without him because he was my biggest help in this. 
And it's just, I was kind of like on stage, I was kind of dealing with two things. Right. The past and the, if we call it the past or just the memories I have with Line of the Set on stage. It was quite difficult. We did the play, but me and Brendan was like, Brendan was having the same thing. It was like, I'm really having a lot of flashback with Brendan, with, with Buddy. We call him Buddy. <laughs> I'm really having flashback all the time. So I, I think we have to stop this for a little bit. because And it was fresh. Like His death was on February 1st, and my play was on February break, which is like February 20th or yeah. something. It was like so very, very new, really fresh. fresh, and it was so hard to deal with it. So... That was my last performance, but yeah. it was quite, like the idea about it is like I performed it for Board of Governors and then they know yeah. about it now. And it's like the people I, all the people I met over there, and I performed it for high school. I didn't perform it for students though. I think it would be for the best. Yeah, okay. yeah, that would have been like pretty heavy some, for. It's really heavy. Even though it's a, I mean, the main character. You're not character, but you. You were 15, but that's hard for. Yeah, I, I would. I would imagine for. I would imagine it for. I think, if I had the chance to perform it, or I have to, I wouldn't perform it for less than grade twelve. Yeah. No, I would. That absolutely not. It's yeah. like that's where I was. It might be received wrong, or it's. But I don't blame them. It's something they can't handle. Mm-hmm. Like as adults, we can handle this. We can't just like look at it from different places in different angles try to understand but for them they just give up and then that's not what i want to see i i I really understand yeah no that makes sense so well thank you for sharing your story a piece of you uh this has been pieces of us with Catherine paquette thank you for tuning in um, and if you feel like you have a story that you would like to share, please email me at piecesofusshow at gmail.com. We love reading your stories. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at piecesofusshow. And as always, don't forget to subscribe and review. Thank you very much for listening. Storytelling allowed Maj to start his healing process from the trauma he had experienced. Maj poignantly stated that trauma does not have to come from war. Trauma can be from any number of different things, such as a violent relationship, emotional abuse, witnessing a car accident or child abuse. Don't underestimate the power of trauma. It can show in a variety of ways that impact your health. This includes anxiety, flashbacks, emotional swings, panic attacks, and much more. It may not affect you right away, but if you do not deal with it, it can have an all-consuming negative impact on your health. Maj began to deal with his trauma by telling his story through his one-act play. His healing was the unintended consequence of this project. If you've experienced trauma, The impact of it will never go away, but by sharing your story, it can help lessen the burden of the pain you are carrying. Sharing his story through the creative process of writing and producing his one-act play led him to engage with and trust in others, and this in turn has helped him deal with the pain and trauma of his past.
I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Pieces of Us. If you did, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and tell one person about this podcast who you think would really enjoy it. In the next episode, I speak with Owen Rigby. Owen shares his experience of being a transgendered man. He discusses the importance of not only accepting yourself, but the importance of truly being yourself. Until next time, I'm Catherine Paquette. Thanks for listening. Stories of yours, stories of men, all we have to share is time and pieces of us. Pieces of us, pieces of you, pieces of me, pieces of us. Pieces of you, pieces of me, pieces of us. Pieces of you, pieces of me, pieces of us.